Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hi guys, Jake here and welcome to the second part with Old School. Could you elaborate what your system is like? How does it work? What's the magic? Well, I mean, try not to reveal too much information, but um, at the same time, I would like to ask you what sort of Z-code tools do you use? Okay. Um, first of all, I would like to say that, as you can probably tell from this interview, unlike some others where it's totally been talking about analytics and a specific system, etc., cetera, um, I try to bring just a little broader perspective to the table because, you know, you, you, as you pointed out, um, I've been fortunate to, to run with the big dogs in real estate and at the poker table, but I, I really feel like I'm running with the big dogs at Z code. And, um, I'm so flattered and, and I even laugh because, you know, when I'm mentioned in the same conversation, as Brendan and Bear and the Captain and Rasputin and uh, you know I can go on and on, but I'm like I don't deserve to be in that conversation as far as knowledge and expertise, not in my opinion. Um, but uh, where I'm going with this is my favorite Z code tool are the experts. It's the wall, a- and it took me a long time to figure this out because. I felt, you know, you first get on there, it's a little overwhelming. And I said, okay, uh, I want to build a system because, yeah, I have all these theories, but, you know, I'm intimidated by all these tools. I don't know how to use them. And and I was on Z code for, you know, forever before I ever even mentioned anything on the wall. And then when I did, I said, okay, well, if I want to interface with the best and the brightest, you know, the smartest, most successful people I know in life, in any field, always try to be with people that are even smarter and more successful than they are so they can learn. And, and that's me. You know, when I played tennis that you can relate to, I always wanted to play to someone that was at a higher level to raise my game. You want to play up, not down. Um, so uh, I said, I have to do something of value to get these guys to interact with me the munches and the captains and the clip in the cliffs and the, you know, so what can I do of value? I'm not, I don't know more than they do. So I just started to, you know, especially during baseball season, try to give my analysis under the games and a lot of the community, especially a lot of the newer members, you know, they like that. If you hopefully they got something out of it, they could use for handicapping. If nothing else, they found it entertaining. So, you know, eventually I finally, you know, got the courage up to put a few picks up and cause let's face it, that's what everyone looks for, you know, and <laughs> you know, then you sort of, you have to earn your credibility. And now, you know, I have a, a nice relationship with everyone, but the baseball is a great example of, in my opinion, of the Z code community and how it works together. Mm. M who was sort of on the tail end of being with Z code uh, when I joined, you know, had this progression system and cliff improved upon that system. He had it in basketball and cliff took it to baseball and he researched it and came up with his typhoon system. And then he encouraged Jemiah and Scotty to 
you know, maybe put in some filters. Maybe it would even do better. So they started fooling around with that. And I put in my two cents worth, but I wasn't really interested in progression betting because I was a flat better. And I was joking with Scotty the other day. He was thanking me for my, you know, all I do for the community. And I said, are you kidding me? If you read my forum, your name's in there more than mine is. I mean, it was Scotty that kept, you know, joking with me and giving me a hard time and telling me you've got old school. You've got to get into this progression betting. This is right up your alley. So, you know, I worked with those guys and instead of having this big ego and taking ownership of this is mine and this is yours, they were totally transparent. And, uh, you know, Scotty came up with the initial set of filters that narrowed down Cliff's work, which brought it up into that 92 to 93% profitable strike range. And then Bear, who is not a progression better, but who's just a great guy, you know, was following what I was doing. He jumps in my forum one day and he, and he night, he kindly sends me this table and he goes, you know, I'm not trying to get you off of anything. He said, but I don't know what your average odds are, but here's the average odds. He sent me a break even table on what my progressions needed to hit at in order to make money. And that really opened my eyes. And I said, okay, Scotty's work is fantastic. It's wonderful, but can I come up with a set of filters where I can hit at approximately the same rate, but get much better odds? Uh, one, the one great bankroll management tip I've gotten from Z code, you know, as a gambler, I always played to win. You know, if I was betting a thousand dollars, I was laying 1100 to win a thousand Z code. I always play to risk. Uh, it helps me control the bankroll you know exactly what you've got in action. And I think it was, uh, I've listened to just about everybody's initial podcast at least three times. I think it was Brendan that, that said when he came here, you know, he used that philosophy because he was willing to leave a little yield on the table in exchange for consistency. And, uh, and that's what I do. So, so Scotty plays that to win and he plays on his grid system which is that could be a whole different podcast, the disagreements we have over that, but, but we, we won't go there anyway. Um, whatever works for to each his own for whatever works, works. But, um, uh, I played a risk. So the yield meant a lot more to me. Um, you know, if you're playing to win and the odds are minus 146, and you're playing to win the unit, you're going to win a unit during the progression. Well, you, you win your unit. When you're playing to risk and the odds are 146, your yield is low. And I could tell from the table that Bear sent me, I needed to get those odds more, you know, in the 130 or below range for it to really mean something and still hit at 92 to 93%. So I put in a system of cross-check filters. Scotty had this very simple thing where, you know, if the game total, I think was four and a half runs or four runs or less, then it was a play. And it was just that simple. Um, I did a cross check system where first of all, I did some back testing and Justin was great. He, he provided a lot of material on his own, just jumping oh, in yeah. and everybody was Justin's great, you know? Fantastic. Yeah. He's just, you know, sends me this stuff. And I noticed this pattern <laughs> that when a game total was eight and a half, this two, three, five progression we were running hit more often than when it was eight. 
Now, that seems antithetical, and to this day, I can't answer why exactly, except maybe on those games, the bookmakers put more weight on the bullpens or whatever. But since we're only worried about the front end of the game, not the bullpen, I put in a cross-check, and it, it, it was a work in progress, still is, but um, in addition to the full game filter, I also looked at the filter for the first five innings. That's what Scotty's filter was. I'm sorry. His filter was for the first five innings, four runs or less. I, I did that in concert with the full game filter. Full game filter had to be uh, eight and a half. Um, and the uh, half game filter had to be, first I started four, but then it could be four and a half. But then I noticed different trends. If it, if it opened at those and it trended downward, in other words, if the line got shaded and it was four and a half under minus 25, that was a good sign. I like that play. If it trended up, if it was still at four and a half, but, um, uh, you know, it was leaning more toward going to the high side, that was a bad signal. Now, what I ran into, because Scotty set such a high bar for transparency, is people were writing me and they were going, you know, oh, thank you, old school, for this, but we want to know how to fish ourselves, so what's the filter we look up? And, and, and I tried to explain, I, I'm not hiding anything, it's just that not everything is as simple as you just look up one filter and that's your magic answer. Um, so, you know, with the help and encouragement of those guys, I did come up with my filters that hit at about the same rate as Scotty's filters. Um, however, they produced a much better yield. I also experimented with this ABC progression. Excuse me. And, um, you know, with the amounts being played and, uh, you know, should I change it to an AB and uh, all kinds of experimentation. But, the really big epiphany for me came toward the end of the season. Um, at the end of the season, when you're just flat betting baseball, you usually what we call in the old days, because they used to have a chalkboard, you know, not a computer that put the lines up. We'd redline the games. In other words, if the team was out of the running for a playoff spot, well, you didn't want to put money or a lot of money on that game because you didn't know what their agenda was. Were they building for next year? Was, was somebody pitching, you know, to get a better contract or for trade bait? Or had they just given up? Were they going to get rid of the whole team and get a new team for next year? So instead of getting rid of a bunch of games, I added a lot to my arsenal. And, and this is where, again, from Bear, he said, immerse yourself in something immerse yourself in something that you really know and love and learn about it baseball's always been my favorite sport i can tell you right now who the starting lineup was for the 1961 yankees because i remember sitting on the couch and watching it with my father and my brother when i was 10 years old you know so um uh so i understand that game better than other games i understand the the uh, strategies of the game. And uh, I always call it the chess of sports. People that don't understand it think it's slow moving. I, I know what's going on, why it is so slow moving, what they're talking about, the decisions that are being made. To me, it's been fascinating. So 
again, back to Brendan's quotes, and again, I'm using on purpose examples of, of what I told you, how my favorite tool is the experts. Uh, I have a notebook. I have notes from every expert. Yeah, you wouldn't believe. So, uh, you know, I love Brendan's quote that pros bet numbers and uh, squares bet trends. So even when I have a subjective opinion, I try to put it into some type of a mathematical formula and give it some weight. And what I discovered at the end of the season was, okay, you would hear of guys you never heard of because they were in AAA ball. And they were going to come up and try them out because the team had nothing to lose anyway. And I'd look at the advanced metrics of these guys. I would see, number one, had they been up to the big show before? Was it going to be too big a stage for them? Number two, could they throw the ball 95 miles an hour? Number three, what was their whip, their walk-to-hits-per-inning-pitch ratio? That had to be low. And finally, what was their first pitch-strike ratio? Because these guys are a hair away from being in the big leagues. They were signed to a big league team. They're looking, to, you know, they, they've got a contract. I mean, they're officially a, a Baltimore Oriole or a St. Louis Cardinal or whatever, and, and, and they want to make it there. So I'm thinking if a guy can throw a ball across the plate and throw strikes 95 miles an hour, he's probably good for one clean inning. <laughs> and with that guy pitching, since no one's heard of old schools coming up and he's taking the mound today, you know, the odds were obviously very favorable in this type of progression thing we were doing. So I really cashed in throwing in that subjective analysis toward the end. And unfortunately, as I tried to explain the community and, and, and again, bears on this page and cliff and everybody that trades live because so many decisions were made live it was hard to share a lot of those plays because it wasn't a set it and forget it type of play. Uh, in other words, if I saw that the batting order had come all the way around the top of the order was coming back up in the second inning uh, or the third inning rather, because I got great odds on my a bet, I would just kiss it off. You know, sometimes that's the cost of due diligence. It's the cost of doing business. It's better just to leave the trade. Um, on the other hand, you know, if it's a National League game and the way the, the, the lineup's set up, uh, you lose your A bet uh, at low odds, but both pitchers are going to come up in the third inning. Well, you know, with rare exception, the pitcher's basically a free out. So now you have a third less outs you need to obtain to get your win. So on that I would, you know, instead of two times the A bet, I might go to two and a half or three times. In other words, I'd front load it because very few of these ever came to the C bet. So I would use the C bet as something to either recoup the losses or even just a portion of the losses. I'd rather front load the A and B bets because everyone says, oh, great. What a great day you had. You know, eight A bets hit. And I'm thinking, yeah, but the way you have to break up your units, I'm not winning that much money. So I'd rather take that unit, put the majority of the risk on the A and the B bets, the one that hit the most. And if they don't, then I'm willing to take the small loss and recoup a little on the C bet. 
but yeah, that that's what made sense to me. And I haven't run the numbers like Justin would, but I think, you know, analytically, um, uh, just like we talked about reverse engineering, the way I played cards, if you reverse engineer it, I, I, I've got to think from looking at the bankroll uh, that it, it was the right, it was the right way to approach it. <laughs> okay. So you've obviously talked a lot about Scotty and Captain Sports. So and we, you've talked about Brandon as well. Um, all of these experts have had a lot of effect on your life. Uh, effect on your betting lifestyle, I suppose we can call that. Um, but you have actually written an article about what an expert really is. And this is a thing that we can talk about a lot. I mean, we've been talking about a lot on the Ziggold wall over the past uh, few weeks because people tend to skip steps. And I wish you could elaborate a little bit more on what it takes to become an an expert and just just give us an example of what define someone to be an expert. Jake, I'm, I'm so glad that you did ask that question. Before I start, all the experts you mentioned, of course, we can't mention them all, but uh, I want to make sure we include Bear because if there's anybody on Z Code that's been uh, what you would call almost a personal mentor to me, it's Bear. And, and I know he's like that to everyone. There's nothing special about me, but I just have to express my appreciation. He's just been terrific. I don't disagree with you on that. The reason I wrote that article, you know, my first forum was talking baseball because that was specifically about a system. And then people started, you know, saying, gee, thanks for your contributions to the wall. Just, and it was general commentary. It wasn't necessarily how to win a game or whatever. So I asked the community, would you like me to just write a forum that's interactive where we all could participate and just talk about stuff. And that's where I opened my edges, angles, and value forum and talked about some of the things we've talked about. And I decided, you know, I know it's the holidays, so there's not going to be a lot of participation because, you know, there's a ton of sports, number one, that's what we all do. And number two, there's families and holiday activities, but I'm trying to write an article every couple of weeks to spur some interest. And what got me started on this one is one of the newer members who yeah, I try to respond to everyone. And, uh, and he wrote me and he said, old school, what does it take to become an expert? And I wrote about, you know, one, you know I always joke that every, about every six months I have to take up about half the wall with one of my you know, <laughs> elaborate posts. But so this was one of them. And I, I started off with the old joke about the guy that, you know, goes to New York City and he gets out of the cab and he says, you know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the native New Yorker says, practice, 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 you know, because I thought what he was asking me was, how do I become an expert handicapper and sports investor? And I wrote an elaborate explanation on what I thought that meant and what it took and Cyril has chipped in, says, you know, 10,000 hours of practice, which was sort of, you know, consistent with my with my little joke that I tried to make it entertaining with. Um, and then I found out I answered the wrong question. What he meant was, how do I become a Z code expert? 
because apparently he just wanted to be ranked and get the recognition on the wall. And, and I can understand that. Um, but as soon as he got on the wall, his next question to me was, how do I get a karma button? So th- then I kind of knew what the agenda was. And, and this is one of the things that I addressed in my article. You know, what is an expert? Well, I want to know what that meant to everyone else. Uh, one definition of an expert is simply knowing more than the guy you're talking to about the subject matter. That makes you the expert, right? Uh, another definition of an expert is the algorithm that meets the Z code criteria. Now, again, without knowing how to create an algorithm, the one concern I have, and some of the people I see, you know, climbing the wall dramatically, uh, quickly is, can you create an algorithm that also accounts for quality of content as opposed to just quantity? I mean, you know, you can go through there and you can like every post and you can make a bunch of comments and you are participating on the wall. But, you know, what have you really contributed? So I I guess that's my big question on, you know, when you're a Z code expert, does that necessarily mean you're really a sports investment or a handicapping expert? Because the advertisement at the top of the tab says, you know, find out who's hot lately, find out who the best experts are. So there's an implied credibility with these people. And again, I'm only saying this in the spirit of continuing to build Z code into the professional organization with the integrity that everyone expects it to have. And as you said, it's a difficult task and, and hard to stay on point with. Then I gave a definition of my definition of an expert. And I was the first one to say that I don't belong again. I I just laugh when, you know, someone gives me kudos and mentions me in the same sentence with bear and Brendan and the captain and 10,000 other people, you know, I'm, I'm not in that conversation. Um, so I defined it as I said, I said, I know I'm a real estate expert because by law, I've been called to testify in court as a real estate expert. So legally, I'm a real estate expert. When it comes to sports, maybe I'm a baseball expert since I've had a successful season for a dozen consecutive years now. So I think that's more than a mathematical anomaly. So I may not be the best expert in the world, but you know, but maybe you could define that as an expert to me. When I achieve accomplishing the financial goal that I want to achieve for a full year, however that is, however many sports that needs to be or whatever, and I'm confident that I can count on that income stream year after year, I will only then consider myself a sports expert. And that's one of the reasons that I've turned down a karma button, because I don't think I deserve it. One common theme that does make an expert is math. Uh, as I said before, you know, again, to quote Brendan, pros bet number, squares bet trends. Bear, who I refer to as a situational handicapper, especially in basketball, which he's played at a high level, and he can see, you know, the schedule as it's set up for a trap game, the team going to have a letdown effect. Mm. He puts weight on that because that's something the bookmakers may have missed. 
So that's part of his mathematical equation for finding expected value. So breaking everything down to a mathematical formula is one common denominator I have found in all the successful experts on Z-code. Well, Z-code is actually transitioning to a completely new thing in 2019, I believe. Um, a lot of it is going to revolve around experts, who is considered an expert. So I think you as a person have had a huge amount of moving on. Sort of, I want to ask you the next question. And that's sort of revolving around the past and the present. Your progression system for baseball has obviously accumulated a lot of profits for you. And you've had a well-off life, we could say that. You were able to afford a luxurious car, live in a nice house. What would be your most valuable piece of advice that you could give based on your, your own experience to the new betters? New betters is the area where I feel I may be of the most help in my contributions <laughs> that I'm hopefully making to the Z-Code community. Because most new members are exactly like I were. They have a gambling mentality. So I try to help them transition that gambling mentality to an investor's mentality. And the one thing that's worked for me, uh, yeah, someone reached out to me just the other night because it was, you know, it was a one-off game, maybe a Sunday night football game. And I said, well, I see no value. You know, um, you know, uh, and I put in too much work to try to find edge in a trade. And then you still need luck uh, on that particular day to go just bet on something just to bet on it. Again, I don't need the action. And this person was amazed. And they said, we need your self-discipline, which kind of made me laugh after the life I've led of non-self-discipline in that area. But, um, you know, because uh, I get frustrated and I want to win it all back. And, and what I shared with this individual was that I've changed my definition of instant gratification. I don't need to get it back on one night. Um, I never chase a trade anymore. And I get my gratification when I look at my numbers at the end of the month. It's not every month, but it's usually every month. Uh, and I see percentage-wise how much money I've made, and I say to myself, you know, I don't think there's 10 stockbrokers in the entire country that percentage-wise did as well on their customers' portfolio as I did on mine, and, and especially in progressions. You know, you lose one progression, that's seven to nine units, depending on how you're playing it. And boy, was I tempted to jump in and go, okay, I'm going to get that all back. But I didn't. I said, I'm going to believe in the process. And I started back with that one unit risk. And it was grind, grind, grind. And you know what? At the end of the month, I had my nice profit. And that is so gratifying to me because that makes me feel smart as opposed to lucky. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, funny you mentioned the progressions because... I used to run progression systems for tenants, and my progressions were from A to D. So I actually wow. did a D bet. <laughs> and that was the most risky thing I've ever done in my life. 
you know, when you release a D-bed to the community and uh, people are obviously expecting a win because, well, right. you're looking at, at around 14, 16 units of loss. Thankfully, I've never lost a D-bed and my progression system was relatively okay. I mean, we've never lost a single progression, but... Well, that's fantastic. You, you know, what, <laughs> that ties in with something. I've talked about experts. There's some experts I learned from. Uh, one, he left us for a while. Now he's back. But in reading his material, I learned so much from Dan. Now, only recently have we ever started, you know, interfacing and talking on the wall. But, um, you know, one of his Martingale systems, when I saw that name, you know, my back arched up because martingale that's the biggest sucker system in the world that's a roulette system it's just you know but he pointed out the differential is that if you're investing in sports and you have an expected value then you're supposed to win you're, you're on the right side of the equation you're the house you're the casino so that's the differential and, and in tennis i see your expertise and it's fantastic your d bets have won and that's because you've handicapped them you, you know it's the old proposition of you're going to get great odds that if you flip a legitimate coin a hundred times in a row, it's not going to come up heads a hundred times in a row. However, if it happens to come up heads 99 times in a row, the odds are still only 50, 50 on that hundredth throw. So it gets very scary. <laughs> uh, uh, the difference though, is that you've put research in and you know, that if I run an A, B, C, D progression, th that progression, whether it's the A, the B, the C, or the D, is going to hit at, I'm guessing, an extremely high rate. <laughs> and, exactly. and in your case, 100% when it comes to the D bet. So I, I, I can appreciate that. You're also dealing with the human factor. You know, I've always heard that, um, I, I'm not suggesting anything here, but you know, the easiest thing to fix is a boxing match because it's two individuals involved. Exactly. You know, uh, I'm guessing tennis. in a tennis match, if you're, you know, 102 on the tour and someone offers you enough money, you know, maybe you're going to twist your ankle or, you know, those are things that there's no way <laughs> you can plug into your handicapping formula. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, very and, scary and to me. Human nature, I suppose. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, moving away from tennis, next point, which is very important, and that's obviously your second half. Uh, you've given a lot of credit to your girlfriend, who has, we could say, revolutionized your career. As you said before, there's a successful man, and there's a woman behind every successful man. <laughs> so could you tell the <laughs> listeners how much impact did she have on your betting career? Uh, in this stage of it, where I'm becoming serious and changing to an investor counting on that income she's been integral um i had a long marriage and seems like an even longer divorce <laughs> but uh this young lady is a school teacher she's born and raised in las vegas she teaches math i joined z code and i just read a lot and you know when i first started investing i said okay well i'll you know for for me, paper trading just does. Paper trading for me is betting, you know, fifty dollars a unit because I have to have something going. I just, you know, I can't just track it, you know. So I, I put aside whatever amount of money and I said, oh well, I'll start trying to do this at fifty dollars a unit, you know. And you, the more you start to find out some things, and then you realize how much you don't know, and 
there were times when I would get discouraged. She, on her small school teacher salary uh, a few years ago, sent away for a refurbished laptop. And that was my holiday present. And she said, this is for you and Z code and your investing career. You can do this. I teach math. I live in Las Vegas. I've lived here all my life. I was born here. I've seen everybody with every scheme come through town. That's going to beat the house at whatever game and whatever system. And they're going to beat the sports book at whatever game, whatever system. And they've all gone broke with your background and your brains. Again, probably giving me more credit than I deserve. She said, you can do this. So not only did she start in that direction when I would get discouraged and she would say, you don't need to trade anything, but you need to go up on that wall. You need to read it every day. You used to be addicted to it. You know, you just need to stay involved. And she kept her foot in my rear end about this. And, you know, whenever I say anything like, wow, look at what this person said. And, oh, I shouldn't be in the conversation. She goes, you know, why is it that everyone thinks you're good at this except you? She's I mean, incredibly encouraging. And because of her specific credentials, having grown up in a town where everybody has tried every angle to take money out of it, and also understanding probabilities and odds, um, that's a great person to tell you that you could be successful at something that's math involved and gambling involved. <laughs> I just want to move on to our last question, which is actually something that I feel like asking myself. And I'm just very curious what you think about it. It's basically, you know how everybody thinks. I mean, everybody puts one sport, expertise. A lot right. of experts are doing a lot of different sports at the same time. How do you see it as a... Should you specialize in one sport or should you be open-minded and sort of know a little bit about each thing, but not fully develop into one specific area? I think there are many roads to the same destination. And I think investing is investing and understanding the principles mm -hmm. of money management and long-term probabilities are important generically. I also think there's a lot of merit to bear saying, immerse yourself in something even though I see him branching out in the different areas. Now, as far as the approach, uh, I, you've given me a great opportunity to use an example. And I don't feel like I'm saying anything inappropriate since it's on the wall. Munch, who has recently retired and who does the Z code tools backwards and forwards, has come up with multiple systems to create a certain amount of money that he wants to average every day in order for him to, with his other assets, enjoy the freedom of the lifestyle he wants. It just so happens his magic number is the same as mine. However, my preferred method, maybe because I don't have the technological savvy of a munch who goes to sports that I've never heard of and you know, creates all these systems and everything else. And, and I also, I'm lazy. I don't want to devote that much time to it. Frankly, um, I'm more of the Dan's old win a day keeps the bailiff away approach. 
I'd rather take much more aggressive positions on more selective trades, only have a couple of trades a day, and hit my goal that way. And I think both methods are valid and very doable. Entirely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm very curious about how Munch does it. Because personally, I don't know how he's capable to research so many different sports at the same time. It must require a lot of time. He's got to be the busiest retired guy I know. He must be working <laughs> harder now than when he had a job. I, mean, <laughs> I agree with you a thousand percent, Jake. Uh, Somebody on the wall the other day said to me, yeah. "What you know?" We were talking about this, and and I, I said, "You know, last Thursday, I spent two hours, and you know what happened after two hours? I eliminated the four games I was looking at and had to start all over. <laughs> I'm a very slow worker." <laughs> All the yeah. sports are still there, and I'm, that's that's why I'm so happy about that. Zico has so many different angles, and it covers all of them. Uh, I, so agree. Much work I, I that's agree. Being put inside into this model, and uh, you know, it's it's actually kind of um, underappreciated, to be honest. People don't see it, but um, having a model which has at least 11 years of data, it's not easy to come by, personally. That's what no, I it's think. not. And, <laughs> and you guys have done an amazing job. You put your money where your mouth is. You rolled it out right in front of everybody. It could have been a big bust, you know, if the math was incorrect, if the algorithms were incorrect. But instead, you know, you show a documented portfolio. And the other advantage a guy like me gets from that, if I never trade those sports, is, is the community. It's really cool that a guy in France, Xavier, who's a table tennis expert, before I go to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning, sends me a thank you because I've made him money overnight. Or Vincent, who lives in Israel and is a fantastic live soccer trader. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just really fun to be a part of that. I mean, uh, you know, and to make friends all over the world that are that are experts in these different areas. Uh, it's so cool. I I. It really energizes me, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of experts in the Zico community which cover different areas and we all help each other out in some sort of way, whether it's motivational or, you know, advice. Um Absolutely. Everybody is is there for each other, which is what makes the community so great. And on that bombshell, it's time for us to end the show. I'd like to thank Old School for taking part in our Z-Code podcast series and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code sports betting podcast where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.